Welcome home to the sanctuary, a place of rest for the broken and weary, where you can let go, cause you're fully known. Bye forever, Daddy. Oh, how we love you so. I know it's time to feel Thank you for visiting the Sanctuary Fellowship. We pray the following message will be encouraging to you. Listen in as we start taking away the layers of religion and discover the joys of a relationship with the Creator. All right, what's up, people? Amen. Just to let you know, we're ordering this week another 100 chairs because we're just planning to blow it out. Amen? So so that's like another five grand. So I'll just throw that out there just so you know. (laughs) Amen. Everybody ready for the word this morning? All right, let's pray. Say, God, move me. Challenge me. Touch me. Scare me. Just don't leave me the way I walked in. Amen. Amen. Yamalet, where's Yamalet? Does she go to, she's in class? All right, I'll tell her later, but she blessed me this morning. She needs to know that 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 scripture verse that she came up and read, that was the verse when I first started ministry and I was working with youth. And I was overwhelmed, and I said, I don't know what I'm doing here. These kids are crazy. And, you know, it was Mark and Manny and Sal. These guys were off the chain, scary, intimidating, right? And, and I said, God, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know why I'm here. And a brother from the church came to me and said, fear not. Do not be afraid because I have called you by name. And when you pass through the waters, they won't overwhelm you. And when you pass through the fires, you won't be burned. And that scripture from beginning to end just blessed my life. So I needed to hear that because sometimes in the morning I, I look here and I, and I see the worship and I see, you know, what's going on and I get overwhelmed and I say, what am I doing? And God says, don't be afraid. I called you by name. Amen. Well, listen, I got a word for somebody today. Maybe for you. Here's our quote this morning. I like to start with a quote. Anybody here for the first time today? Anybody? Amen. Welcome. Welcome. We welcome you. We love you. Make yourselves at home. I believe God has a word for you this morning. Here's the quote. Adversity is like a strong wind. It tears away from us all but the things that cannot be torn so that we see ourselves as we really are. How many of you understand that the winds of God are blowing? The winds of God are blowing. You see it in the worship. You see it in the gathering. You see it in the hearts of people. But you also see it in the world, don't you? The winds of God are blowing. How many of you ever experienced those 72 mile an hour winds that are knocking down trees all over your neighborhood? Everywhere you look, people, I mean, I don't know about you, but people in in Westchester and and all around are, are still recovering from the storm. Amen? How many of you saw, saw trees blown down, like completely ripped out of the floor? 
How many of you seen the power lines knocked out? Who, who had blackouts here? Had no power? All week. Wow. Well, see, we, we're all recovering from the wind and the rain. And everywhere you went, there was roads closed. Everywhere you went, there was yellow tape saying you got to turn around and go this way. Why? If you took a peek, it was because a tree had just blown out. And, and, and this was everywhere you looked all around. There was complete trees, trees that had been around. There's one particular tree by me that I have to pass every day because it's on my way. And you cannot stop. You know, you can't just pass it without just kind of taking a look at it because it was a tree probably bigger than that or maybe around that size. I mean, just, you know, one that you have to hug like this. And, and so it means it was there for a long, long time. And it was complete. It was just leaning on a house, completely ripped out of the ground. And, and so, you know, it, it started, it, it was like terrifying but amazing at the same time. You, you know what I'm saying? Like you don't, you know, you thank God that, well, that's not my house, amen. But, but then you start saying, yeah, how about the people that live there, man? That's, that's rough to have a house come, a tree hit your house. Have a house hit your tree. But anyway, so, and, and, and so it's terrifying. And so I, I, I was seeing it everywhere. And so I started reading. I said, I need, to, I need to research this. I started reading because I wanted to know why when the storms come, some trees fall and some trees stand strong. Tell somebody the sermon started already. Pay attention. God's got a word for you. See, I wanted to know. I was curious. I don't know about you, but I was curious why when the storms come, some trees fall and some stand strong. And everything that I read, everything, everything that, I, that I was researching, you know, because Google, you become a specialist on everything, right? And so I, I just Googled everything, and everything that I read said that the two biggest contributing factors that determine why some trees fall and some trees remain are this. Number one, the foundation that it has. We preaching already. This this is scripture. Well, the foundation that it has, the type of root system that the tree has. So the the, the kind of tree is is one of the contributing factors. The second contributing factors is the place where it's planted. The type or condition of the soil that it's in. See, in good soil, there are trees that, that send down anchoring roots like five or six feet deep. But, but in, 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 you know, it, and there's also, some, there's also some trees that don't send down anchoring roots deep. They send them out shallow, but they send them out shallow and they link up with the trees, with the roots of other trees. And so they use each other to hold each... Man, that's a whole other message, ain't it? But you, you take one of those, the big trees, the birch, the redwood, the, the big major trees, those that send down roots five or six feet deep, and you put it in the wrong place, a place where the ground is too hard or where there's too much clay and it's too hard. Those trees can't send down the roots in that place. And so in a bad place, even a good tree is in trouble. <laughs> 
So it all depends on how strong and how deep you allow your roots to go and where you decide to plant yourself. It all boils down to who you are and where you are. Wow. That's good. Just go home. Amen. That's all I got. Jeremiah 17, 5 says, This is what the Lord says. Cursed is the man who trusts in man, who depends on the flesh for his strength, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. He will be like a bush in the wastelands. He will not see prosperity when it comes. He will dwell in the parched places in the desert, in a salt land where no one lives. Who you are, one who trusts in man, one who turns from God, and where you are, a bush in the wastelands, in the parched places of the desert. Now, Jeremiah 17, 7, if you read on, says, but blessed is the man, somebody say blessed, blessed is the man whose confidence is in him. Verse 8, he will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out roots to the stream. It does not fear when the heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and it never fails to bear fruit. Oh man, come on. Who you are, the one who trusts in God, and where you are, a tree planted by the water that sends roots out into the stream. Whoo! Remember those old commercials for Boost Mobile? Where you at? Amen. I want to boost you this morning, and I want to ask you the same question. I want to ask you the question in a message titled, Where you at? Amen. See, we've been going through Genesis, and, and we've been spending some time in Genesis 4 lately. If you missed those messages, get them online so you catch up and, and, and be up with us. You can get it on podcasts. You can get it on video. You can get it through smoke signals, whatever, man. We got it everywhere. There is no excuse for you not to have heard that. Amen? And like we're not charging, so it's not like I'm trying to raise any money. It's just there. I want us to be in the same place. Amen? I want us as a church to mature, to grow, and to keep going because I want us sending down deep roots. Amen? Because it matters who you are and where you are. So we've been going through Genesis 4 lately. We've been taking, talking about Cain and Abel. And, and just to, to finish wrapping that up and move on, it says when Cain and Abel, right, in, in, in the end, Cain left the presence of God and he settled in the land of Nod. He left God and went to Nod. Nod means shaking and trembling. Because you see, when you choose to live apart from God... There's no rest. You live in a land of shaking and trembling. You're always worried. What does the Dow Jones say? Is gold up? Is this down? Is this here? Am I making money? Am I losing money? What's my job? Am I going to get laid off? Am I, am I going to find another job? Is this one going to work? Am my wife going to work? Is this? You're always shaking, shaking and trembling in the land of Nod. But in the house of God, oh, come on, anybody here this morning? Don't be distracted. God's got a word for you. 
In the house of in the house of Nod, we shaken. In the house of God, we shaken for other reasons. Amen. Amen. So, all right. So, so listen. So listen. See, apart from God, there's no there's no rest. There's no peace. When you choose to live apart from God, there's a restlessness in your spirit. There's a restlessness. You got to stay drunk. You got to stay high. You got to stay hustling because there's no rest. You could have everything and not be satisfied. Look at your newspapers. You could have everything and not be satisfied. In Christ, you could have nothing and still be satisfied. Come on, man. Somebody get excited. It matters who you are and where you are. Okay, so Cain had a son, and the word continues, and he said he named his son Enoch. And Cain built a city and named it after his son. The city of Cain was the first city. Because Adam and Eve didn't live in a city. They lived in the garden. They lived, man, just chilling outside. The stars is their sky. I can't imagine what the setup was or how, but it was perfect and it was beautiful. Right? Even when they got kicked out of, out of Eden, then they lived in tents and, and, and tabernacles because their heart was always to return back to the city of God. But Cain's heart was a little different. The city of Cain was the first city because he didn't care about the city of God anymore. He knew he was apart from God and, and even chose to be apart from God because God had given him the option just like he does us. Amen. God told him, if you do right, you'll be in the right place. But if you continue to do wrong, then you're on your own. Right? Didn't he? And so now Cain is on his own. He said, I don't need the city of God. I'll do things on my own. I'll build my own city. And so he builds a city, the city of Cain. Every time the Bible speaks of the world and, and trust in the world against God, that's, he's referring, that's where it started, the city of Cain. Pay attention. Here in this chapter, we see Adam's family, the world and the church. Right in Adam's family. That's where this all started. We see the world and the church. Where you at? Beep, beep. Where you at? Who you are and where you are. Okay, why, when I, why would I ask that on a Sunday morning? Where you at? How many of you know we can be here and not be here? We had some lunatics up here worshiping. Amen? Praise God. It was awesome to see little kids waving banners, man. Where else are they going to learn that? Just worshiping and waving banners to God. Man, and listen, let your goal be to be like lunatics, man. I want to be sold out fanatic for God. Amen? All right, but anyway, I know some of y'all are too reserved and too cute for that, but that's on you. So the rest of the chapter tells us about the sons of Cain. Okay, in the city of Cain, God, you know, it tells us about his lineage. And so the sons of Cain, the lineage of the fallen. So this one was born this one and this one fathered this one and so on and so on. Here's some things to note. If you read through the lineage of Cain, this is what you find. From the house of Cain, we have a man called Lamech. Lamech was one of the sons of Cain. Lamech was the first polygamist. Lamech was the first one, the Bible says, to take two wives, to break the sanctity of marriage the way God had designed it and intended it. I mean, you know, God didn't give Adam, Eve, and Raquel, right? 
and said, you choose or take them both. No, they, they, see, God designed marriage a certain way and he said the two shall become one. But Lamech broke the sanctity of marriage. That came from the house of Cain, from the lineage of the fallen. And look, the names and of his wives and his daughters show the emphasis of his heart. The name Ada means pleasure. His other wife, Zila, means shade, which is in that time meant the covering of hair. His daughter's name was Nama, which means loveliness or beauty. See, Lamech's culture was committed and consumed with the physical and the outward beauty. Lamech from the house of Cain. If we go down the lineage, we get Jabal. Jabal, he was the first one who invented tent making and the breeding and managing of cattle. We get Jubal. He was the father or the inventor. Check this out, worship team. Jubal was the inventor of musical instruments. Isn't it interesting that from the line of Cain, we get music originated. He made the first instruments. The first musicians came out of the house of Cain. Isn't it crazy? To, I mean, if you really look behind that, you say Satan is, was raising worshipers to copy the angelic worship of God. Even since the beginning, the first musicians came from the house of Cain. We get Tubal. Tubal was the first blacksmith on record. He taught how to make warlike instruments and domestic utensils out of brass and iron. Listen to what Matthew Henry says about, about this, this chapter. He says, here we have the father of shepherds, the father of musicians, the father of blacksmiths, but not a father to the faithful to be found. Here is one to teach about brass and iron, but none to teach about the good knowledge of God. Here are devices on how to be rich, how to be mighty, how to be merry, but nothing of God. That is the city of Cain. But listen, thank God, the chapter doesn't end there. Right at the very end, the last two sentences of the chapter say this in Genesis 4.25. Listen, just a side note, when somebody's quoting scriptures, I advise you later on to go check it out. Amen? Because see, preachers are, are, are just known for making stuff up. Right? And because if we don't find a scripture to fit, we kind of, we word it to make it fit. Amen? That could happen. And so you need to check that where whoever you're sitting under, whoever you're listening to, is preaching right from the Word of God, and then read the, the chapter before and the chapter after to make sure it's not being taken out of context. Is it alright? That, that I just check myself that way? Alright. So, Genesis 4.25, it says, Adam had relations with his wife again. He had nothing else to do. No, he did. But anyway, Adam had relations with his wife again. She gave birth to a son and named him Seth. For she said, listen to this, God has appointed me another offspring in place of Abel. See, so, so Cain killed Abel and, and God gave Eve Seth. And so Seth replaced Abel. She says, God has appointed me another offspring for Cain killed him. And to Seth... To him also a son was born, and he called his son Enosh. Enosh means man, ordinary man. This is referring to us. And so it says there, right at the end of that chapter 4, it says, These men, then men began to call upon the name of the Lord. So listen, 
It's translated in a way that implies that from that time on, men from the city of Cain called themselves sons of man, and men from the city, from the house of Seth, called themselves sons of God. So there were sons of men and sons of God. There was a line drawn. There was a separation. They said, I'm a son of man or I'm a son of God. See, it all depends on who we trust in. Where you at? See, there was a separation. Each one was going to trust who, what they trusted in. Romans 8.14 says, those led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Okay, so why do some fall and some remain standing through the storm? It's who you are and where you are. Listen, the sons of God can't make themselves at home in the city of Cain. That's the problem we have in church. The sons of God can't be comfortable in the city of Cain. We, we have to, there's a word later on in the New Testament that says we're in it but not of it. We need to be not conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the word of God. Amen? So we have to learn how to be, live in the city, but not be of the city, because sons of God can't dwell in the sons of man. Amen? Amen, man. I'm preaching. I'll get back to you. I borrowed somebody's phone just for the bleep bleep. Amen. All right. So why do some fall and some remain stand? Listen, we can't expect to live like Cain and remain. We can't expect to act like Cain, to look like Cain and and expect to remain. And so I, I just I want you to hear that question. Where are you at? Psalm 1 says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, or stands in the way of sinners, or sits in the seat of scoffers or mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree, there's the tree again. He is like a tree planted by the streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does he prospers, but the wicked are not so. They are like chafe chaff that the wind there's the wind again that the wind drives away therefore the wicked will not stand in judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous for the lord knows the way of the righteous but the way of the wicked will perish chapter five we're going through genesis amen we're going through genesis we're laying down anchoring roots church Genesis chapter 5 tells us the generations of Adam. Now listen, the reasons, sometimes we say, man, that's the most boring thing to read in the Word of God when it says this one begat this one and this one begat this one and that one begat this one and this one begat. That's just sleep time, right? But listen, it's important. Let me tell you why it has to be there. The genealogies have to be in the Word so that we can trace the line of Jesus. Why? Because the promise in the beginning was that the seed of Eve would crush the serpent's head. So we have to be able, the Word shows us how to be, that's why we read some names were counted and some weren't. It said he had many sons and brothers, but he also had this one. And because, see, God is tracing the godly lineage. Sometimes he traces the wicked lineage so that we can see that as well, as in the house of Cain. Because we need to see these things, amen? 
So through these lineages, we trace Jesus all the way back. Now, one of the, here's one of the big issues with Genesis 5. How many of you have a problem when you read that it says people are having kids at age 90? How many 90-year-olds in here have been having children? <laughs> we know one. People have issues with the fact that Adam was 930 years old when he died. 930. We are like... A, a, a full desparate, all, all destroyed by what? 70, 80? If we're lucky? Now I know, I know we got some, you know, I'm going to get offended. I know we got some grandmas in here, y'all kicking it and keeping it sexy. Yeah. Amen. But, but I'm willing to bet you're not trying to have any more kids right around this 70, 80 mark. Amen. So, so let, let's look at that because, you know, I don't want to just ignore that because what, the easy thing is to say, well, the word says it, so shut up and believe it. But let's explore it just real, real quick. Let's look at that and think. How can a person have kids after 100 and live till after 900? Remember, Adam was not created to die. The light went on. Adam was not created to die. It, the word says, God said, if you eat of this tree, you will surely die. If you eat of this tree, you will surely die. And so he, he was not created to die. He wasn't made to die. Eden was created for Adam and Eve to have life, to live. It was only after disobedience that they started to die. Side note, disobedience will always speed up your fall. Hit somebody next to you. They wake up. He's talking about you. Desordenado. So right here in the beginning, the effects of disobedience were still very new. And it hadn't, you know, the degenerative effects of the fall hadn't accumulated greatly yet. And the environment in the pre-flood world was a lot different than the environment now. And the, the Lord said that there was a vapor over the earth covering. We had this beautiful water vapor keeping everything. It was just set. It was optimal for life. It was only after the fall that things started to degenerate. Amen? And so it is definitely possible that people in that time could live much, much longer before the flood. We read in the word that post-flood, after the flood, the lifespans of people quickly started coming down until they started hitting where, where they are today. After the flood. After judgment. That's a whole other thing. So let's look at the lifespans really, really quick because I think it's important. Listen, in the generations of Adam, we read Seth had Enosh. Enosh died at 912. Enosh had Kenan. Kenan died at 905. Kenan had Mahalael. Mahalael and, and Kenan died at 910. Mahalael had Jared and Mahalael died at 895 years old. Jared had Enoch and Jared died at 962. Now let's stop on Enoch right there because out of nowhere, this is thrown into Genesis 5. <laughs> this is good. Check your Bibles. In the middle of all those stuff that you skip, you skip over this and you miss something big. 
It says in Genesis 5.21, Enoch was 65 years old when he had Methuselah. Now, Enoch walked with God after he fathered Methuselah for 300 years and he had other sons and daughters. Verse 23, thus all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Verse 24, Enoch walked with God and then he was not for God took him. Enoch never died. He walked so close to God that God took him. He, man, how many of you want to see people go missing during worship? (laughs) Be like, we lost another one, man. There's the flag. There's the jeans. Yo, I'm taking those shoes. The girls will fight for the shoes. Those shoes are mine. That's my size. That's my size. We lost another one during worship. Enoch worked, walked with God to the point that God took him. That's, that's insane, isn't it? Now listen, Cain's, notice the difference in the lines of each son. Cain's first son was named Enoch, but he had no legacy. This Enoch was the seventh from Adam on Seth's line. The seventh from Adam on Cain's line was Lamech, the guy that took two wives and messed up marriage and still got us wondering why. So you see the difference in the lines from one to the other. It matters who you are and where you are. It seems now the word, but by reading the word, it seems that Enoch began to walk with God in a special way after he had Methuselah. Check this out. Did you know that Methuselah The book of Jude tells us Enoch was a prophet. Okay? So did you know that the name Methuselah means when he is dead, it will come. So Enoch was a prophet. Enoch has a son. No doubt God named the son or told him to name the son Methuselah. And Methuselah means when he is dead, it will come. So at the birth of Methuselah, Enoch had a special awareness from God that judgment was coming. And it caused him to walk differently. And and see, this is one of those things that, that, you know, got him closer in his walk with God. Church, I wonder if we realized that judgment was coming, would we change the things that we do? I wonder, I wonder when the earthquakes hit Haiti and the earthquakes hit Chile and the winds start knocking trees down all over the world and the earth starts shaking, I wonder if we start to say, could judgment be coming? And if it is, do we walk different? It says, after Enoch had Methuselah, he walked with God. Now, now, now listen how cool this is. Methuselah lived longer than anyone else ever recorded. Why? He lived a total of 969 years. Why? Methuselah's life, long life, was no accident. It's the grace of God because when Methuselah died, the flood came. Oh, come on, man. Anybody following me? When Methuselah died, the flood came. So God kept them alive longer than anybody else to give people a chance to repent. That's the father heart of God. 
Church, it's God's will that none should perish. When you look at things like this, you see the, the heart of God not wanting one to be lost. He, he lived the longest because His name meant that when He dies, judgment was going to come. Let's just finish that line. Enoch had a kid named Lamech. Lamech the second. Not the same as Lamech from the other side. Enoch means dedicated. E Cain had a child named Enoch, but there were different results. Amen? Enoch had a kid named Lamech, just like Cain did. Lamech means conqueror, but there were different results. Same names, different people. It matters who you are and where you are. Amen? An Enoch in the house of Cain isn't the same as an Enoch in the sons of God. You can be dedicated, you can be committed, you can be determined and, and in this world and go as far as you can get, but you still die. You're still in the land of Nod, shaking and trembling, there's no peace. An Enoch in the house of Seth is dedicated and committed and faithful to the God to the point where God doesn't let him die. He just takes him up. It's a picture of our walk today, church. Enoch fathered Methuselah, Methuselah fathered Lamech, and Lamech fathers Noah. Here we are at the end of the pre-flood world. Shortly after Methuselah dies, the flood comes. Judgment was coming. Noah starts building the ark. He's ridiculed and mocked. Right? And the world says in the days of Noah, people were singing and dancing and marrying and drinking and doing whatever and giving themselves in marriage. And judgment came. We'll get into the times of Noah as we move on. But, but right now, let's take from this today. It, it, what we need to take is to understand that when storms come, and they will come. Amen? They will come. It rains on the good and the wicked. The winds blow on the good and the bad. When the winds blow against us, when the winds blow, it, it is important to note some fall and are dragged away. They're trashed up. They're burnt up. Some remain strong. Who you are and where you're planted is what's going to matter. Now listen to me, because this might, this might sound like I'm just talking about the church. I'm not just talking about like the church that you're planted in, although that's important. If you're not part of the body here, make sure that the place you're in, if you're listening to this online or, or however you're hearing this message today, if you're not part of the church here, make sure that the body that you're in is good ground. How do you know? You're sending roots down deep. It ain't all about how you're feeling today. It ain't all about... See, those are shallow roots. And shallow roots, when the storms come, you're going to fall. If, if, all, if, 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 if church is just a little injection, a little shot to get you through the week, just a little pick-me-up, you're on a team, you're not on a church. Amen? Go play baseball or soccer or something. Get a little pep talk and get you through the week. Maybe you win the game. But when the storms come, if your roots aren't deep, if your roots aren't anchored, you will fall. You will say, this God thing ain't for me, man. And, and, and you would have felt like you tried God, but He failed you. But the truth is, you never tried Him. You never had roots. You never got deeper than, God loves you. God likes you. He doesn't care what you're doing. God likes you. 
God loves you just the way you are, but the truth is God loves you too much to let you stay that way. Amen? Let's not get grace twisted. But listen, it's not just about the church. What about the relationships that you're in, church? Can I tell you something, family? Can they help you withstand the storm? I don't know about you, but I want to be with someone that I know when the storms come, when the house shakes, when the winds blow, when the trees fall, that person's not going to run and hide. That person's going to stand right with me. We're going to lock arms, we're going to anchor roots, and we're going to withstand the storm together. Amen? Church, is the relationship that you're in going to help you to stand? If not, start cutting out that ground. Sounds harsh, it sounds mean, but start. It's about you, you need to be able to stand, amen? Because if you're not standing, you're not going to help anybody else. If you're shallow, how are you going to hold anybody up, Amen? So it's not just church, but it's relationships. I'm not even just talking about your significant other type of relationship. I'm talking bad company corrupts good character. Who are you surrounding yourself with? The people you hang out, your friends. Listen, when it comes right down to it, who you are and where you are. I am a Christian. I am planted in Christ. Like it or leave it. Amen? Like it or leave it. Where you at, church? Because I believe God's winds are blowing. I believe what can be blown down will be. And so will all of our excuses. So will everything. Well, the church hurt me. Well, well, it was this. Well, this pastor said this. Well, this deacon didn't say hi to me. Well, in that church. Listen, all your excuses are going to be blown away. It's going to be between you and God. I gave you the opportunity to be planted. Were you planted? Or or you just smoking grass I don't know where that came from but you take that the quote in the beginning says adversity is like a strong wind it tears away from us all but the things that cannot be torn so that we see ourselves as we really are where are you church can we stand for a moment worship team come on that smoking grass was for somebody you go ahead and take that Where you at? <laughs> Amen. Church, I want to, can we just bow our heads for a moment as the worship team comes? Can, can you just ask yourself that? And I pray, listen, I pray from this day forward, whenever you hear one of those beep beeps, because I know we hear it all over the world. Whenever you hear one of those things, <coughs> I pray that it stirs in your spirit and, and you ask of where you at? Where am I at? Where am I at? Where, where am I at in my thinking? Where am I at in my behavior today? Where am I at spiritually? Where am I at with God today? Am I walking disobedient? Am I walking faithful? Am I walking with Him? Am I looking to Him? Or, or am I just trusting in man? Am I just trusting in my circumstances? Am I just trusting in the city of Cain? Wow. 
don't know about you, but I want to be like a tree. It, it, it burdens and it kills me when we hear of another ministry, another leader, preaching, ministering for 20, 30, 40 years, wiped out by adultery, wiped out by sin, wiped out by the sickest kinds of things that we can hear of. I want to remain strong, church. I want you to remain strong. I want, and the way we do that is by sending roots out deep. It's by being in good ground. It's by surrounding ourselves with the right people. It's by trusting in Him. Amen? So I'm going to ask you right now as we worship, we're going to just have the altars open for a moment. Just examine. Just bow our heads for a second and just examine yourself, man. If there's something that you need to come clean about, if there's something that you need to say, God, I need to be in a better place. Don't be embarrassed. Don't be ashamed. I'll meet you there in a moment. I need to be in a better place, God. I need to be a place where I get, where I get fed more. I need to be in a place where, where I'm growing more. I need to be a place that allows my roots to grow deep. Then, then just, just come on and join, join our brother right here. Just come on and join. Come, come down. This could be in every point of your life. It could be in every area of your life. And don't worry, ain't nobody here looking to judge you. Ain't nobody here looking to talk about you. Everybody here, I'm asking you, check yourself. Ask yourself, where you at? Welcome home to the sanctuary. A place of rest for the broken and weary. Where you can let go, cause you're fully known. By forever, daddy. Thank you for supporting the Sanctuary Fellowship. We are a new and growing church with a passion and a heart towards enjoying God, serving people, and building healthy families. We pray that you will continue to fellowship and grow with us as we follow hard after God. Don't forget to visit us on the web at www.sanctuaryfellowship.org. God bless.